Good evening and welcome to the Laugh and Monkey Music Show. Today we have on Scooter. How are you, Scooter? I'm good. How are you? Good. Scooter is the singer for Cold, and you guys have been out for quite a while now. Right? Like Twelve. We got together yeah. with well, uh, I used to skateboard by his house, and he was playing drums. Um, I played guitar, and I will follow by YouTube. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we started jamming together, and that happened in the Grundig. We named the band Grundig, and we had had a big following. Florida. Um, and yeah, we've been playing since we were basically, since I was 12 years old, I've been bands. And we had, you know, we changed bands throughout our childhood right. teens. Um, but it always came back to Grundy. And then that turned into Cold. Cold. Right. Before. Yeah, the funny thing about uh, that is I was just, I went to see Went Biscuit last night because they played in Kansas City. Um, and I hadn't seen Fred in a long time. I'd seen John and Sam. Uh, in the, in the last few years, but not Fred or Wes. Um, and they invited us to the show, so we went there and hung out with them all night. It was a great time. Um, and I, I was talking to Fred. I don't think Wes even remembers this, but we were in, me and Ross Robinson and Howie Weinberg were in Mastering in New York. Um, we're at his place, and our lawyer called me. He said, he said, man, uh, Grundig, the company, the German stereo company, called an electronics company over there, were quite huge. Um, they called and said that you're not allowed to use uh, the name Grundig unless you basically give them $250,000 to buy some licensing from it. Uh, we had just got our first record deal. We had just got a little bit of pocket change in us. So that was, there was no way that was happening. Um, so we were all, you know, everybody's scrambling. Uh, and Wes just happened to call Ross at the studio. And he said, why don't you, he goes, dude, why don't they call it cold? Um, and I go, well, that sounds kind of perfect for the vibe of everything. Um, he goes, no, it's funny, man, because, you know, get up here from Florida. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a very West thing to say. However, uh, yeah, it fit perfectly. And our lawyer called back within five minutes and said, because uh, I can't believe that name's clear, but yeah, we did. So that's crazy. Yeah. That's a good name though too. It is. Yeah, it works. It works. Now, looking yeah. back, you would have won that. You probably would have won the lawsuit though too, because they're not even in the US. Probably. It would have cost you a lawyer though. If you were a little deeper in, you could have, you know. We were, it was such a fast thing because we were in mastering right then and we were already late with that. So they were pushing the record at a certain date. So I, I think we only had like 60 days for the record to come out. So I don't know if they wanted to get litigious uh, with all that. I think know. it's better though. I mean, everyone knows the word cold. Yeah. It's like already, it's like built an advertisement. Things that have the label cold on it, hot, cold, just for free advertisement. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. And the Grundig thing kind of uh, is still relevant because, you know, uh, our old school hardcore fans all know mm-hmm. Grundig. Um, we did a thing, Cold Live, uh, 2014, where we did a night before where we just played grounding songs, basically. Uh, so that was pretty fun. It was cool. That is cool. So what's also interesting is um, you guys have been together for a long time, and you like broke up for a little bit and had a break, but got back together. But the one thing that's really interesting to me is I never thought of you guys as a grunge band. You guys are not really a grunge band. You've gotten probably more labels than I've heard from any band ever. What kind yeah, of music yeah. you are? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. We we initially started off, you know, definitely Alice and Chains in the Seattle scene. Uh, I think when we heard, I think we, we were sitting at my house one day, 
and we heard we watched the Louder Than Love Soundgarden concert. Yeah. And uh, it was slow and grungy and very and grunting was more that kind of music. It was very slow and just mm-hmm. you know drop E and uh it was all very Seattle. So we were we were just happy that somebody else connected with something that we were doing at the time all right. across the country because we were in Florida and that was a Seattle sound. So we were kind of excited about that. We were like, well, here it goes, maybe we'll have a chance though. Because nobody's getting no nobody outside of Florida in our local community was really getting drum digging, except for, you know, maybe the Seattle people who latched onto it. But uh it was cool. Um but yeah, we and you know, and we I listen to so many different types of music. I was an alternative guy when I was young. I listened yeah. to you know, the cure was a big deal for me, psychedelic furs, um bands like that. I was definitely I definitely had some metal roots um as well. And I liked metal bands, but something I gravitated more towards the uh artsier stuff. The, you feel the like cure. you're like a like a cure, like a, a metal band of the cure, like you forget that same yeah. like a mixture of it. To me, I it, you don't sound like the cure. It feels like like you're like melancholy rock. Like it's like it's sad, sad, feel good. Like yes. like it's a like it's a storm, but you're but you have a hot cup of coffee or some comfort food, like it's a nightmare around you, but just like it's this warm, hot moment, like right in the song with you, like a a, a lyric or a, a chorus or a verse, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what, you know, when I was younger, I gravitated towards. I, I start, started playing piano. Um, my mom had bought a stand-up piano. And when she was younger, she, she used to watch soap operas all the time. Now she doesn't. But she used to when I was a kid. And uh, soap operas always had the most beautiful piano music uh, at the beginning of the shows. And I just started learning how to play piano off of those shows every day. Uh, to where you know people would come over my mind and be like playing days of our lives, um, <laughs> things like that, uh, and I'd do it. But I, I always gravitated towards slow, sad songs uh, when I was a kid. Barry Manilow, the Bee Gees before they were disco, the, the whole thing was just tragic songs. Tragic. Um, yeah, and I've I've always gravitated towards that stuff, even with the metal bands that came in. You know, I always like the there was always the bangers, but then I like the I like the slow. You know, the save all your loves, those kind mm-hmm. of songs, uh, the all the journey type slow songs. So I've always been that kind of guy, and uh, I can definitely, you know, I definitely write heavier songs, but I, I'm just, I feel like I have to write the sad songs. It, it also feels like you're you're actually getting not nothing better, but your your, your melodies are, are getting they're very subliminal in, in the songs. It's very catchy, you know, for, for being like a heavier, slower, darker music. It's very catchy, you know? Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't, I, you know, the music always tells me what to write. Like, I'll sit down and start playing piano or guitar, and uh, the melody immediately comes to me as the song's being formed. Um, if that doesn't happen, I usually throw it away because I go, no, that's not good enough. That's really strategy. Yeah, I won't. I won't entertain. Is that it. how you write your songs? Is you sound and you start playing around with an instrument, noodling it or whatever, and then yeah. that's how it comes. Yeah, I'll start noodling around, just messing around. Uh, normally, it's pretty style music, uh, which we can transpose into heavier stuff uh, if we want it to be a heavier song. Um, so that happens, and, and all you know, the melody comes immediately with that, and then the lyrics. Sometimes lyrics as well as a melody, like 
sometimes the lyrics will just flow out of freestyle and it just works. Usually you, they play, they have a riff and they're like, oh, I got a song lyric or I got a melody and they write it down yeah. and they go from there. But yeah, well, when, very, I was, when I was very young, I would sit down with a lyric book and I would just write lyrics all day because I used to write all these grandiose type stories uh, back in high school. And I would, uh, you know, I would have a lyric book and I would do that. So when we were playing, if the band had any kind of music that they had created, I would uh, just fit it in there and make it work. And it, that was cool too. But then later on, it, it seemed to mean more to me when the, the melody and the lyrics come from what the music's telling me to, uh, to say or to, you know, the way to uh, create the melody with it. Um, and that seems to impact more. It definitely impacts me more when I'm writing it because I can feel it more. And if I can feel it, um, it seems to translate to cold army and, and, and people. So with the, the new album you have right now, you promoted that one. Was that finished with COVID? It came out in 2019, right? So it was written during COVID or finishing up? Was there like a delay because of COVID? That was a tough one. We, uh, we had written, uh, I had Nick and Lindsay come out to California where I was staying at the time. And they lived with me in my house for months. And uh, basically I would sit in a room and create music and then they would come in and, you know, add everything to it uh, to make it a full song. And I, we, we had went out to Phoenix to do the drums for that because I go, we need to go to a studio. We need to have the drum sounds from a studio. Thank you. Thank you. You have to go to the studio for drums. People always do that. You need a studio for drums. You do. And you need a, you need a good sounding room that makes the drums. The drums are super important. And people that, you know, people are doing it in their house and stuff like that, which is okay, but it doesn't have that, uh, doesn't have that impact with the hits and just, it's a vibe. It's a whole vibe. And cold, that's what cold is. We're a vibe. Like, uh, I think Nick and Lindsay had to get acclimated to the way I created music um, because I just go off that. It's all vibe. Like, if it doesn't, like, some days we just wouldn't do anything. I'd be like, no, we're not feeling it. It's uh, so awkward up there at your house to, to, uh, to work on something. You're like, nope, not today. <laughs> yeah, and it, it sucks. I mean, because, you know, they had made a record with me before the old members of the band had, had grown up with me so they were more used to the way things were um however it all came it all came out so we went to phoenix did the drums brought the record back to my house started doing the guitars and creating the songs and then i don't know what something happened one day i was i, I always drive down uh uh, in the south and down in Florida I always drive down A1A it's along the ocean to write lyrics and I feel like I need to be near the ocean to write lyrics um, just because I grew up on the beach it, it makes me feel comfortable um, so when I was in California we were about 20 minutes away from the ocean so I would take off to San Diego and just sit at a, a La Jolla Beach which is one of the most beautiful beaches in the, in the world I would say um, so I'm sitting down there and all of a sudden, I'm listening to what we had created, the lyrics that I had written. And I go, this isn't it. I go, I can't. I can't put this out. And it was good, but it wasn't uh, as emotional as I wanted it to be. Didn't have that thing that I always need cold albums to have. So I kind of called them up. And while I was on my way back home to them, and I was like, 
we're gonna, I got to redo it all. I have to redo all the lyrics and come up with all the harmonies. They're probably going to be different songs. Like we even took some of the songs and slowed them up. Like I remember Better Human was at a higher tempo. So we had to drop the drum tempo down uh, to create what that song is. We had the piano. It was into an entirely different song. But it was, it was necessary. And once that happens and I felt comfortable, and, uh, I, then they got it. You know, they felt comfortable, and it was it was a better record than what we had initially. That's that's a really pretty song. Um, your 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 vision when you're writing it, it feels like sometimes you're like it could be almost like not always all for teenagers, but for for a lot of people that deal with a lot of problems. Like you're watching from the outside, and you're offering commentary, and then yeah. something uplifting to them too at the same time, without without speaking down or lecturing. It's like yeah. Hey, I'm here. I see this. Here's a thought. Maybe this will help you. Yeah, I think I, I use my own life experiences to that because I've had a lot of crazy things happen to me through my life. And it just seems to, uh, I seem to be the person that, you know, those things gravitate towards. And many people have that in their life. So it's not just, you know, it's not just me. Uh, so a lot of people go through a lot of stuff. And I, the way I deal with it is to write a song. I write a song that helps me. Um, and that translates to them um, because it's real. It's real stuff. I'm not making it up. It's like everything I write about is, is it's real tragic stuff um, that just happens. And, you know, I, I, I remember seeing a, a guy do a critique on a record, two dudes, and they were talking about, oh, here comes Scooter Ward with his mopey shit again, and he's doing his work, work, work. And I just go, mm, I don't know, man. What do you listen to? Because, I, you know, I'm, I'm writing what is real to me. So right. that's, I think that's what an artist should do. Uh, my life got better one day. Maybe I would write other things. But for now. Maybe not. Maybe not. And uh, I just want to write what I feel I need to write. I don't write songs for anyone else. But um, Cold. And <laughs> it ends up working for Cold Army and, and, and new fans and stuff. Well, you know, people, it's, it's a unique sound you have. Yeah, you know, we, we, we see bands come out sometimes and the honesty in the lyrics and in the music and in just the vibe of it and the, the way you are to people. Um, being an honest person to them and being honest to your songs is what translates to people, you know. Um, I always tell people, there are young writers that come up to me all the time and they ask, what they, they go, you know, do you have any advice on writing? Uh, what I'm at a standstill, I'm at the writer's block, I don't know what to do. Um, I said, Well, first of all, you have to write every day, you know, that just to keep that muscle going, the writing muscle going in your head, you have to do something like that. Not every day, every few days, but at least work that muscle a little bit. Second of all, when you're writing down lyrics, write down the things that you think that you shouldn't write down where you go, I don't know if that might be too personal. I don't know if I want people knowing that. That's what you write down. You write down those lyrics because that's what everybody wants. That's when you open up yourself. And uh, that's how it connects with people. Very exposed, very exposed. Yeah. What's neat is you guys, I think it's a weird word to use, but like the grunge time came in, but what happens is there's a lot of bands because there's a lot of alternative bands, different style non-Seattle bands came in 
And they pull a lot of other bands that would have kind of been misfits everywhere. Because you yeah. guys don't sound grungy to me. You guys have right. kind of gone past it. But because of the uh, movement, it pulled you in because it was alternative. You know what I mean? And it has yes. some sadness to it that kind of fit with the mood. But it's, and it's allowed you to carry on when, when grunge kind of fell off. You're still the same yeah. band, you know? Yes, for sure. And I know because the music industry kind of went crazy for many years. And I think a lot of bands in the past couple of years that are still around now have recovered and got their footing and are on there like, you know, this is it. This is the, vic- the victory lap where you know this is your gig. You survived all the turmoil. You have a band fan base. You have a niche to build off of and it's strong no matter what happens at this point. Yeah, no, I, I feel that's where we're at. You know, um, just being back on tour, I know when we first went out after we released the things we can't stop, just having the, the cold army come back and just fully be there for us uh, after all those years um, was a comfortable feeling. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's, it's still going. You know, people still want to hear us. So we're going to continue playing. That's what we do. Um, and it was nice. I, I, we, we did a tour before this past one that we just recently got off of. And it was at the end of COVID. It was, well, not at the end of it, but when they had the vaccines out and yeah. things seemed to be picking up a little bit. However, there were still a lot of clubs that were doing, uh, you know, the mass mandates and things like that, which was necessary at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it was, people were scared. People were scared to come out and have a good time. And this password we did, which we started um, in end of April, beginning of April, uh, just worked out great. Everybody was ready to come out and have a good time again and be outside. It was nice. Now, has the has touring changed for you over the years? Like for bands you tour with, like you know, like, like at a certain point, it's like, oh, you were a grunge band, so they always try to see with grunge bands. But as time's gone on, are you playing with different types of bands? Are you encouraging your management to be like, no? I want to play with somebody totally different. I want to play with a banjo band. You know what I'm saying? I want yeah, to play with something well, totally that I'm us and I want something different. Yeah, we don't actually have management anymore. We kind of do all the management ourselves. Um, we do pretty much everything ourselves now. Um, not dissing managers, man. It's just, uh, you know. A lot of bands don't do it anymore. A lot of bands that have survived have one yeah, guy in the band yeah, that kind of handles it. For so long, we're, we're used to the, all the business aspects of touring and everything. So right. we handle it on our own. So we just do that. And as far as the bands that we bring out, um, I saw a band named University Drive on Instagram. I think they were linked up. They're, they live in the Wilkes-Barre area uh, where Nick and most of my band lives at now. We have Nick, Tony, and Johnny. They all live in that area. All our crews from that area. So I saw a band named University Drive, and as I was saying, I was, I'm an indie fan, so that's something like an indie band. I started listening <laughs> to the band. And uh, Ed Cuso, he's the, the main guy in that band, and he was the main writer for the record, Clear. He wrote a record that was basically his mom had passed away. Um, and he created this record, which deals with death and depression, and there's all these beautiful songs and interludes. You got to hear voices talking about dealing with depression and going through things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just hit me so hard. Um, and I was like, there's no way these guys are going to want to tour with Colt. It's a ton. It's definitely, it, it, they're a rock band, but more, way more indie than what we normally would bring out. Um, but I loved them. So we hit them up, asked them to play. And turns out half the guys in the band were Colt fans. They grew up on Colt songs. 
So yeah, it all worked out. And we had brought them out on the 2019 tour, a few shows on the previous tour, and then this whole tour, they they were our main support for us. Yeah. Yeah, and they're they're dope. If you guys haven't checked out University Drive, check them out. I will check I will definitely do it. Check them out. So yeah. where are you at with with the whole tour now? Because as things are opening up, you're you're even touring and stuff, and like the, the record, are you, you singles? Like where are we at in the machine here? Right now, well, you know the thing with the album cycle, of course, you know there, it's really weird right now. Yeah, well, you get 15 months basically on a normal album cycle. So when 2019 happened, the record had just came out. I think in November we did a tour to support it. We only did seven weeks. Um, and then the goal was to tour on that and promote it for the next year and a half. Right. So March of 2020, we were slated to go out on tour. Uh, we were going to do like a storyteller type thing. Uh, and then I remember me and Nick were on the phone. We saw something come up with the basketball NBA canceling all their things because of COVID and, hmm. Oh shit, this is about to go down. So yeah, we had to cancel the tour within a week's time of us going out. Um and then we were down for a couple of years. So it was tough. But in 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 turn that killed the record, right? Because you can't really promote it. The label's definitely not gonna do anything with a record that's two years out now. So um it was what it was. However, man, we we started just focusing on touring and getting the cold army back and letting people know that we were back out. So the fans were like, yeah, we, we want to hear it live. We're not worried with the record companies. Right. That, that, that album was really good. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Just like kind of quietly sit in the corner. No, it's still a good it's, record. It's a shame. I think all of the records, uh, it, it's just an, it's an extension of a cool catalog that we created throughout our life. And that's how we kind of look at it. Um, there's some great songs on there that fit well with what we do on stage, um, all the emotional things. So, um, it, what was the single all... off that one? Was it Shine? Was it the single? Shine one? wasn't the single. Shine, I wanted Shine to be the single. I thought that maybe should have been the single, but I thought uh, that's why I think it was. To me, I, I thought it was. Yeah, they had they had the record company, of course, wanted to go with something uh, more old school, cold sounding. Uh, and uh, they went with Without You, which was a song that we had written back during Year of the Spider-ish kind of days. And I just brought it back and thrown it on the record. Um, and I'm never a fan of that. I'm never a fan of having to uh, put myself... I always know what songs I like. And I always know... I, I feel like I know the Cold Army the best, right? right. I'm there with them and they're famous and I know these people. So I feel like when I choose a song off a record that I'm doing it for them and for ourselves. Um, so I really hate when you have to give it to a bunch of business people, let them do a focus group and do that whole thing. So we're kind of over all that stuff. We just, we're like, we don't care. about it. We, have, we don't care about any of that. We just, but to we me, just, it's important though when I hear them come out, you know what I mean? I'm like, Shine should have been the first song that I, I should have done off the album. Because that's an alert to, to the audience. Like, hey, we're here. Something a little bit different. But it's very yeah. old school also. You want to show you're out, but you're strong, but you're still growing. But right. you haven't changed at the same time. And that song right. has the perfect ingredients of both. It's yeah. cold, but it's a little bit different. It's got a good balance of everything. And that's what I felt too. So I 
you know. And radio so, friendly too. That melody and the times, the emotions. Yeah, it actually hit up some of my program director buddies and DJs across the country. And they're like, it's got to shine. And then I was like, well, of course, they're not going to put that out. So, uh, yeah, and they won't listen to the artist. So um, let them do what they do. And we're just going to continue. You know? That's funny. So now you're yeah. toxic. You're, so you're touring your tour probably throughout the summer, right? Are you I'm back and forth? No, well, we're off for the summer and we are slated to tour in the fall. We're still working little things out, but um, okay. definitely, we definitely have some cool shows coming up in the fall. We're doing uh, the Blue Ridge Mountain Festival. We have the Metal Fest in Florida. I'm doing a benefit show for my friend uh, in New Orleans uh, in September-ish time. So we're trying to build a tour around that right now. So but we definitely have some shows coming up. Very good. Last thing I want to hit you up for is I like to talk guitars sometimes. Let's talk guitars. What do you, what do you, you use your, your SG guy? I used to play SGs all the time, man. I, um, that was my go-to. I don't know if it was for me being an ACDC fan when I was a kid, just watching Amy's Young. Uh, it was just a cool guitar. And I like a lighter guitar. I'm not really a heavy guitar guy. I don't like the less calls. I like something that's not as weighty on you, um, that still has a dark tone. Um, so I was heavily in SGs for years. I was sponsored by Gibson for years. Um, and then, you know, later on in my life, I just kind of changed it up. Now I'm all Telecaster. I like Thunder Telecasters. That's basically wow. all of it. Yeah. Um, you know, so many cool things and different effects now, you know, with the Axe Effects thing that we've been using. Um, can make the guitar sound like anything you want. So it's all good. That's an interesting thing. I know that's one instrument I would have thought you would have played guitar. It would be a telly. Making some of the yeah. sounds for Krakow. That's really cool. It's different. I didn't. Yeah. Telly still gets some dope sounds on them. You know, uh, it's just, and we fill it up. I mean, Nick and uh, Lindsay and Johnny right now are playing Diamond guitars. Diamond sponsored them, I think, on the 2019 tour that we did. Um, I'm not really sure what's going on with the company right now, but they seem to like the way those guitars played and decided to, you know, take them on. But um, yeah, I'm a Fender guy, man, for sure. <laughs> awesome. So I want to thank you, man. I just wanted to catch up with you and touch base with you. Dude, thank I you really for coming on the show, man. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for doing this for us. Well, I love you guys. You guys are great. And I love the music. And um, you guys are very interesting. You have your own sound. Which is great. Yeah, I'm kind of proud of that, man. After all the years, we still try to not only have our own sound always relevant in the songs and on the records, but, you know, we always change it up a little bit. I don't think you could ever say that one cold record sounds like another cold record. You know? So, except the some sad, sad lyrics on them. <laughs> yeah, well, except for that. You definitely know you're going to get a few songs that are probably going to make you cry a little bit. And tearjerkers. <laughs> Yeah, all right, man, I, want to, I want to thank you I'll put the links for the show uh, for all your sites and everything and have them check you guys out all right thank you so much man I appreciate thank you. it